Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. I understand, I understand that the last few days, maybe in some way, has been full of some uncertainties and of some unknowns, and we have a tendency as people that when we face unknowns and we face uncertainty, we have a sense of, of fear, of anxiousness, maybe of anxiety. Uh, I think that that is human nature. But if you start in the book of Genesis and read through the book of Revelation, you understand that walking with God, walking with God is going to always be full of moments that are going to be full of fear and anxiousness. But what you see from, from story after story to the Old Testament, passage after passage in the New Testament, is that faith in Christ, faith in God, having a rock that you are holding on to should help bring you peace, should help you overcome that anxiousness. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, he says that God did not give us a spirit of what? Of fear. Or a spirit of timidity, as some of your Bibles may say. But it says he gives us the power of love, of hope, and of self-discipline. And I hope this morning that as we spend some time together in the Word of God, that I hope that you'll allow the Spirit of God to bring you peace. And understanding that this place, this room, not the room as much as the gathering of the people, is a place of hope. A place of assurance, a place that we can feel comfortable in those moments of uncertainty. And I hope that you find that in Christ this morning. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, as we continue in our study that we're going to be doing over the next few months, but especially, especially last week, this week, and next week, as we talk about the different kind of characteristics of God or some of the different parts of God. One of the most difficult things to do sometimes in, in study and in explanation is to try to explain to people that God is one and God is three. Now, if you're a math person, can you be one and three at the same time? Well, it depends on how good of a math person you are, right? Uh, if you're that bad, you could figure out how to be one and three at the same time, maybe. It is difficult sometimes to explain and to express how God can be one and how God can be three individual uh, parts. And one of the things that this passage shows us, that even though we may not fully understand it, and I would say this, that we will never, we can try all we want, we will never fully understand God. Whether we're talking about Him as as God in whole, or God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There will always be something about the nature of God that we are not able to comprehend. And that we're not meant to comprehend. That is part of faith. But as we go through this particular passage, the very beginning of Ephesians, we see that all three parts of God play a very important role in our life. And today we're going to take the opportunity... To talk about God the Son. Let's pick back up in the, the re- passage that was read just a few minutes ago. In chapter 1 starting in verse 7. In Him we have redemption 
through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. We'll stop right there and we'll go on here in just a few minutes. The first thing that I want us to understand that in Christ and through Christ, we find something. We find two things this morning. We find redemption and forgiveness. Say those words with me. We find redemption and forgiveness. Now, I think in in a lot of ways, as Christians, as children of God, we understand maybe the idea of forgiveness We can probably explain that or at least try to describe that to someone in some way if we are chosen to. But the word for redemption is a different word. It's one of those, I call it a church word. A word that we're used to hearing at church and we kind of understand where it might fit into a conversation and into a sentence. But really and truly, if we're just honest, we couldn't actually tell you what it means. Any of you feel that way about the word redemption, that you've heard it? But maybe what it truly means is just, maybe you just don't really comprehend it. Well, let's let's solve that problem this morning. Let's solve that problem. And through the blood of Christ, we have redemption. Now, for us to really understand the idea of redemption, we need to understand first and foremost that it simply means to be set free or to be bought back, particularly from slavery. Now, how many of you in our audience has ever spent any time in slavery? Any of you? And work doesn't count, okay? I worked for my granddaddy for a while, and there were days that I kind of felt that he may have been more of a slave master than a boss, but I hope he doesn't listen to this sermon this morning, but that's okay as well. Um, It is hard for us to really understand the thought or the concept for us personally to be stripped of any personal rights, to be stripped of our dignity or our freedom, the idea of becoming property to someone else, no longer really being human, but just being a tool that someone else uses. It's hard for us to understand the image of of having our ankles shackled and only being able to move as fast or as far as those chains will allow us. It's hard for us to understand and grasp the idea of the true helplessness and despair that comes along with being in the situation of slavery. But I want you to try for a moment. I want you to try for a moment to put yourself in a place where all of those words become your reality. And if you can, you will begin to get a sense of the helplessness and the horror that faces someone in that particular situation. Now, in the essence of the cross and of Christ. Because of our sins, because of your sins, because of my sins, we have a tendency to put ourselves in an in a enslaved relationship where we are trapped, where we are helpless, 
where we are without dignity, without humanity, and most importantly, without hope. I want you to remember these words. And then God. And then God. The gospel, the good news came about. It is as simple as that. That we were lost, but then God. And Jesus became our redemptive resource. He came to this earth and lived his life in a way that he could be a sacrifice for us and buy us back from that slavery. Now, the irony about our slavery, though, is that many of us get used to sin. You know, my, my, I've told you this before, I think maybe. My mother-in-law, she doesn't ask me this anymore, but she used to ask me what I'm preaching about. And she would say, are you preaching on sin? And I'd say yes or no. And she goes, were you for it or against it? And this is my reply. I'm for mine, but I'm against yours. But now think about that for a second. You don't do anything that you don't want to do. Let that sink in for a second. You don't do anything that you don't want to do. If you choose to sin, you do it because you want to. You do it because you've made the decision that that's the life that you want to live. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like sitting in a dumpster. The first time you sit down in a dumpster, does it stink? Yeah. But the longer you sit in it, what happens? You get used to it. You get used to the smell, to the stink, to the stench. You begin to smell and you get used to those, you get used to that and you get to the point that you don't even, you don't even smell it anymore. I have a good friend back in Arkansas that while we were there, he does something different now, but he was a diesel mechanic that worked on garbage trucks. And he told me, I don't even smell the garbage anymore. And if we're not careful, we can allow sin to enslave us to the point that we don't even realize it's sin anymore. That it becomes so normal, we're so accustomed to it, that we don't even realize that Satan has enslaved us by those evil desires, those evil thoughts, those evil wants in our life. But you see, there is freedom when the shackles fall off. There is hope when Jesus walks into the room and says, I'm buying you back. You don't have to worry about this any longer. He has set you free. And there is great power in that statement this morning. There is great freedom that comes in that. There is forgiveness that comes from that. And that, brothers and sisters, is redemption. The fact that I was lost, but I have been found. I was wandering and someone came and bought me back. Satan had a hold of me. I was living life as a slave. And this stranger, this carpenter from a little town in the middle of nowhere shows up and says, you belong to me and I'm buying you back this morning. That is the simple truth of the gospel. That is the good news. The question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? We have a choice. We have the ability to say, I'm, I'm going to go with you or I'm going to stay here. The sad thing is, for a lot of people, we take advantage of the redemption. We have our sins forgiven through the waters of baptism. And then something happens. Something comes along in our life. And what do we do? 
we want to rerun right back to the dumpster and we jump in. Because in some situations, not that it's right, but in some situations, people feel more comfortable in chaos and sin than they do in freedom. You believe that? Some people feel more comfortable in chaos and sin than they do in freedom. Because they've learned to cope in that situation. And freedom is scary to them. That that is where we come in as a church. The importance of discipleship. Of loving each other like a family. That when we have a new brother or sister that comes into our family. We have to wrap them up and help them through those moments of anxiety in their freedom. See, it doesn't do any good to just baptize someone and throw them in the deep end and say, hey, sink or swim, it's up to you. No, we have to see them through those moments because we don't want them to lose the hope that comes from their redemption. So we see the very first thing today that through Christ we have redemption and we have freedom. The next thing that we see that we have through Christ is grace. Is grace. Let me let me ask you a show of hands. How many of you the word grace confuses you sometimes? Only one of you, two of you, three of you. The rest of you are just gonna pretend that you know so that no one else thinks you don't know, right? You know, grace is a word in the church that can be very challenging. It's a word that I think that has been misused, both good and bad. It is a word that I think has uh, been used to maybe scare us a little bit and sometimes to teach doctrine that's not true. But what we see in this particular passage, let's go back in verse 8. Actually, the, ver- the end of verse 7. And according with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You want me to tell you what I think about grace? I think that We'll never truly understand it because it is of God. We'll never truly understand the power of grace because it is of God. But I want you to know something this morning. That you serve a God that has lavished His grace upon you. He has poured it out upon you in the most powerful way, in the most abundant way. He has looked at you and has said, regardless of what's going on in your life, I am willing to forgive you. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of everything that I've done. I'm willing to forgive you. I'm willing to take those things that you don't think you could forgive yourself of and take them away from you. Those hard feelings that you hold towards other people. I have the grace to help you forgive them. Those things that you think you can't let go of. He says to Paul, he says, my grace is what? Sufficient. What I give you is worth more than anything that you can give back. My grace is sufficient. Now, how do we respond to God's grace? How do we respond to God's grace? You see, when we, when God gives us His grace and we choose to ignore it, it's like we're sitting in that dumpster picking up the garbage, the rotten tomatoes, the rotten apples, and just throwing them back at God and say, God, I don't have any use for you. But think of it like this. Think of it as, as a royal banquet. And you sit down at this great meal. And this, this host has a lavish meal sitting in front of you. 
And he goes, enjoy every last bite. Dig in. Let me tell you what. You wouldn't have to tell me twice. You wouldn't have to tell me twice. But if I sat there with my arms crossed and refused his hospitality, what type of image would I give to this guy that I didn't care? How do we take part in the great feast of Christ? We worship him. We worship him. What's our response to grace? It's worship. It's worship. It's praising him when we come together. It's praising him when we're along, alone. It's, it's praying to him and thanking him for things. It's acknowledging the small, insignificant blessings that we see and notice. Not that any blessing should be insignificant, but we tend to focus on the big things, not the little things. It's taking time and noticing those little things and saying, God, thank you for that. It's going up to other people and sharing with them the grace that you have found in Jesus, the forgiveness, the redemption, letting them know how important it is to you. You see, when you sit back and you don't have faith in action in your life, you're telling God, this grace you've given me, I don't care. When you sit in a pew and you mumble during singing, you're telling God, I don't care. When you go home and you don't have an active prayer life, you're telling God, I don't care. I don't care about the grace that you've given me, that you've lavished upon me. And that hurts God. That disappoints God. But the great thing about grace, and I think this is the part of it that we have a hard time understanding. Because you see, if you hurt me, It's hard for me to forgive and forget. Not with God. See, once you have that relationship of forgiveness and redemption through your baptism, which is grounded in the cross, even when you mess up, even when you go through a moment and you say, God, I don't care about your grace right now. Because we all do it. We all have moments in our life where we turn our back and we stumble and we fall And we don't care about the grace. The power of the redemption and of grace combined is that we come back and we have the ability to start all over again. To come and ask for forgiveness. To confess our sins to him. And he goes, okay, let's just keep moving forward. And that in a nutshell is the grace that God gives us. But then as we keep looking in our text in verse 9, he uses a word, a strange word that might throw us off. And and you see, if you just read this section and don't read the rest of the book, and we're going to get to the rest of it later, you miss the definition. But he says, starting in verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which is purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, we're going to talk in a later lesson about the mystery. Okay? If you want to know what that is, go home and read the rest of the book. All right? The answer's there. I want you to find it. And then when we study it, you can tell me if I got it right or if I got it wrong and what you found. Okay? But this is what I want us to think about with this verse. And maybe it's 
Maybe it's very significant for today, even though I didn't think it would be. Do you ever feel that your life is completely disorganized? Any of you? Feel like your life is completely disorganized? We've got some people back there that are not just raising their hand. They're like shaking their hand. They're like, yes, that is I. Do you ever feel that it's in disarray? Does your life ever feel broken? That nothing will ever be complete or right or maybe even pure? Do you ever feel that the world has more control over your life than you do? That you've made so many mistakes that you can never fix them? Here is the hope that we have in Christ. It's not always going to be that way. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. There are times that we walk outside. Yesterday was one of them. That we walk outside and we look at the sunshine and we, we feel the nice breeze. The warmth of the day just kind of wraps around us. And we think, man, God's creation is so wonderful. And God's creation is wonderful. But do you understand that God's creation has been tarnished by sin? That as wonderful and beautiful as creation might be, that it has been messed up by Satan and the powers that he has through sin. And because of that, there are times in our life where there is confusion, where there is fear, where there is anxiety. And this verse gives us the hope and the promise that there will come a time where God, through Christ, will bring all the chaos into order. Where it will be replaced with things that are pure, with things that are holy, with things that are made of and by God. They will fit together all under the head of Christ. And everything will be perfect. I don't know about you. But I need to understand that sometimes. I need to be reminded of that. I need that hope that as crazy as today might be, as, 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 as difficult as my world is sometimes, as when, when I try to set a schedule and nothing sets to it, when I try to live a certain way and it seems like I can't get moving in that direction, that there is coming a time where God is going to say, enough with all the confusion, enough with all the sin, it's time for me to send my son back and I'm going to put all of this in order. And those of us who are children of his, those of us who are Christians, those of us who have lived faithful under his, under his kingdom, we're going to be so blessed. We're going to live the perfect life and the perfect env- environment with the perfect God. Can you say amen to that this morning? And I want you to have hope in that. That as crazy as our world is today, and if you turn on the news, you know that it is crazy that we have hope in Christ. That He is a God that is in control. He is a God that lavishes His grace upon us and through His Son offers us forgiveness and redemption. That's who we need to be grounded to. That's who we need to be paying attention to. This week, I challenge you, any news watchers, any of you that just love watching the news, any of you that love watching the news that just, it stresses you out to watch the news right now. I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, I get so stressed out when I watch the news. I go, then quit. 
If that's what stresses you out, then what? Don't do it. Instead of watching the news this week, if you get up and start your day with the news, if you go to bed watching the news, substitute that time with the Word of God. Give it up for the week. Substitute that time for the Word of God. If you get on your social media and it stresses you out, substitute that time with the Word of God. I read somewhere one time that the average adult looks at their social media 14 times a day, on average, 14 times a day. Imagine, for those of you, that that's who you are. Imagine if you picked up the Word of God on your Bible app 14 times a day. How much different would your attitude and your mindset be in this world? A lot different, wouldn't it? Replace those things that are stressing you out this week with the Word of God. Find your hope. Find your center. And reground yourself in things that matter. Let's close in a prayer. God, we thank you for all that you do for us. For the love that you give us. For everything that that you just shower upon us. Help us to understand the power and the greatness of that, God. Help us to understand what it means to be your child and the blessings that come with that. God, help us to find peace in you this morning. Allow your spirit to just dwell within us and help us to let go of the anxieties of the world and focus on the peace of yours. This morning, God, I I just pray for those that need that hope of power and redemption in their life that, that they will key into that this morning. That they will understand that that hope is found in the waters of baptism, which is grounded at the foot of the cross in the blood of your son. And God, if that need needs to be taken care of today, may they be willing to put you on in those waters so that they can have all these great grace blessings that we have talked about this morning. God, for those that have maybe wandered off, who have crawled back into the dumpster and are just satisfied there. Help us as brothers and sisters to go after them. To run after them as we read about the shepherd and the lost sheep. To go and find those. And and, and to dig them out of their misery, God. Out of their sin. And walk back home with them. We thank you for your love and grace and mercy. We thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice that he made. And what that gives us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is a God. There is a God. He is a God. He is a God. And we believe. And we believe. And we serve God. And we serve God. From the start of God. He is a God. He is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m., with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 930 and Wednesday evenings at 630. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.